Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Tuesday, April 11, 2023, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network 55 years ago. The Fair Housing Act, also known as the Civil Rights Act of 1968, was signed into law by President Lyndon Baines Johnson in the wake of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. What is the status of housing for African Americans? We'll talk with the Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity about that and what is being done to increase that number for African Americans. The drama continues in Tennessee as Representative Justin Jones is uh, reseated. Uh, he also spoke on the floor and let it be known to all the Republicans the fight is not over. The battle now moves to Shelby County in Memphis with the commissioners there. Are they going to support uh, 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 putting uh, Justin Pearson back in his position? We'll talk about that and what the battle is there in Tennessee. Louisiana governor's race is underway with nine candidates on the ballot. We'll talk with the only black candidate, Sean Wilson, about why he wants to be Louisiana's next governor and what is he going to do to get black folks who represent nearly a third of voters there to actually get registered and vote. Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan, is now playing when it comes to Republicans in Congress. He has slapped Jim Jordan with a lawsuit accusing him of brazen and unconstitutional attack on the prosecution of Donald Trump. Also, you're feeling overwhelmed trying to manage uh, all of your administrat administrative tasks in meetings? Well, in our Marketplace segment, we'll talk with the founders of Essence Virtual Assistants, a virtual assistant company that works with you to help you manage your business and lifestyle. Folks, it is time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Sun Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling.
On an, a on an April afternoon in the year 1966, I asked a distinguished group of citizens that were interested in human rights to meet me in the cabinet room in the White House. In their presence that afternoon, I signed a message to the Congress. That message called for the enactment, and I quote, of the first effective federal law against discrimination in the sale and the rental of housing in the United States of America. Few in the nation, and the record will show that very few in that room that afternoon, believed that fair housing would in our time become the unchallenged law of this land. And indeed, this bill has had a long and stormy trip. We did not get it in 1966. We pled for it again in 1967, but the Congress took no action that year. We asked for it again this year, and now, at long last, this afternoon, its day has come. I do not exaggerate when I say that the proudest moments of my presidency have been times such as this, when I have signed into law the promises of a century. Now, many people may not realize you heard President Johnson talk about the difficulties in 1966 and 67 and early 1968. The reality is that uh, it was being filibustered by Republicans and Southern Democrats. That's right. You had many Republicans in the North and other parts, frankly, who did not want black folks living in their neighborhoods. April 4th, 1968, Dr. King was assassinated. The next day, President Johnson sends a letter to the House saying, uh, pass this bill to honor the legacy that Dr. King gave his life for. And it was nine that it was several days later when that bill was actually signed into law. You often have heard me say this on this show, that black success in America has always been paid as a result of black blood. That is the case with the Fair Housing Act. There's no doubt if Dr. King was not assassinated, Republicans and Democrats would have continued to fill a of this bill. So the question is, how has this actually changed housing in this country, and has it been for the better for African Americans? Uh, that is uh, the issue that we're talking about on this 55th anniversary of the Fair Housing Act. Of course, uh, it is designed uh, to uh, prohibit discrimination in housing and applies uh, to renting or buying a home, getting a mortgage, or seeking housing assistance. Uh, again, only 45% of the population can afford a home these days. We've talked about the lack of of homes being built in the last decade that continues in this decade as well. And so the problem continues. And so the role of the federal government is to, uh, again, uh, hopefully fix this problem. Demetria McCain is Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary for Fair Housing and Equal Opportunity. She joins me uh, today in the studio. Glad to have you here. Um, uh, when we talk about, again, this history, for folks who really don't understand, and, and I'm always trying to remind people where we were. So I'm born November 14, 68. So my parents married, my grandparents. So they, they were all alive. My parents yeah. uh, still with us. They were impacted by the racist Jim Crow housing practices that actually the federal government had as a part of the law, the, the, the absolute discrimination against black folks. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you talk about racial covenants. Racial covenants still exist on some deeds in some homes, right? Racial covenants being that language that says, do not sell this home to anybody who's black. To anybody who's black, Negro, the word that was used back then, that certainly was the case. And in some places, like I said, that still is the case today. And so I think it's really poignant that you hit on the history of this, because that's super important. And when we say that it took the assassination of Dr. King to get this across the hurdle. We're talking about a Dr. King who responded to advocates who were on the ground, organizers in Chicago, moved his family with his wife and kids to Chicago to experience some of the things that they were experiencing with uh, unequal fair housing, unfair housing in the Chicago area, and then took up the mantle to help push this uh, while he was alive. And again, it didn't happen until years later. And so we, of course, we know that we have lots of laws that are on paper, but then we've got to make sure that they're realized and implemented. Now, let's be clear that a lot of people have had some gains since 1968, since the law passed, but today we still have continued work to do. Today, the wealth and home ownership gap for black and whites is wider than it was then before the act actually was passed. So there's plenty of work to do. That wealth gap right there is something that we're focusing on. We're making sure that uh, this administration is keen on making sure that we close that wealth gap. Secretary Fudge wants to close that wealth gap. We're talking about fair lending issues. We're talking about home appraisal discrimination, with this, which is huge right now, and it's a big problem. We've got over 127 appraisal discrimination complaints that have come to our office already since this issue has got, kind of come to light. So there's more work to be done. Uh, and uh, again, the federal law was necessary because you literally had states uh, in this country uh, and you had individuals who were had no problem uh, promoting that. Um, folks don't realize when Ronald Reagan ran for governor of California, mm -hmm. uh, that was a proposition uh, that basically would allow folks to discriminate. He actually said, quote, if an individual wants to discriminate against Negroes or others in selling or renting his house, he has the right to do so. That's what he actually said on the campaign trail, speaking against racism, but making those sort of statements. That was before the Fair Housing Act was signed in 1968. That was one of the reasons why the law was necessary, because they were states like California were allowing discrimination. Right, right. So before the law was passed, we had case law, right? And the case law said governmental entities can't get involved in discrimination. Mm -hmm. But it was silent on what private parties could do. Right. And so that's where we were even before 1968. Because, yeah. and, and, and what people don't also don't realize, redlining the country, that came directly from the realtors. That was from the realty industry. Right, with sign on by the federal government, the mm -hmm. Homeowners Loan Corporation. So the federal government had a hand in that. And that's clear. This administration has made clear that government, federal, state, local government has had a hand in some of the discrimination that we've seen in the past. So we've got to fix it. Well, and you say it's the past, but we're still living yes. with uh, those decisions. Hold yes. tight one second. Got to go to break. We're going to pick up on that when we come back, folks. Uh, we're talking about, again, uh, the 55th anniversary of the Fair Housing Act. What does that mean today? And also, what is being done now to really help folks move forward when it comes to home ownership in this country? Uh, we're discussing that right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Be sure to download the app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Of course, you can also watch our 24-hour streaming channel on Amazon News. Uh, just simply uh, go to Amazon News, go to Amazon Fire, click uh, Amazon News. You can actually see the channel. Plus, if you have Alexa, just simply say, Alexa, play the Black Star Network. Then you can hear the audio from the show as well. We'll be right back.
hatred on the streets. A horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. It's an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives, and we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. You want me to do something crazy, but I don't know what to do. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you <laughs> in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that! Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Rather just sit here. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin, unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really, it's Roland Martin. All right, folks, welcome back. We're talking about uh, housing in America. It's an issue that uh, we've often focused on. We, we understand how folks build wealth in this country. This is one of the biggest ways, and unfortunately for African-Americans, uh, we've long had issues. Uh, we're talking about this, of course, uh, with the principal deputy assistant secretary uh, in HUD, Demetria McCain. So, so where do we stand now in terms of, so what is the housing rate today for African-Americans? The housing rate is is... Not good. 
Not good. I can't, I'm not going to give you a percentage right now, but it's not good. It's worse than it was before 1968, if you're talking about home ownership. Right. So, uh, so it, it, at one point, it was around 41 to 42%. Actually, went down to 40 uh, in, on the Trump. Uh, went up some, then they fell back down. So are we, are we under 45? Are we closer to 50? What, what's the number? We're about under 45. We're about under 45. What's the so highest it has ever been? Have we ever, ex have we ever exceeded 50%? I actually don't have that figure for you right now. But I don't believe we've ever exceeded 50%. It's not, it's not good at all. And so um, what is HUD doing today uh, uh, to change this? Well, from a fair housing perspective, we're going out, we're making sure that people understand that if they believe they've been discriminated against in the fair lending space, then we're open for business. We'll take those fair housing complaints. And we're discriminated honest, against, like, like, like what me, kind of stuff is still I'm going to give you a perfect example. I, myself, when I was a new homeowner, I got a check in the mail a couple of years after I bought my house. Didn't know what it was for. Turns out there was a case against the lender. Right? And the lender had overcharged people of color. Now, how did I find out about that lender? It was advertised on black radio from my hometown. And they were, uh, they were calling out for women to come and learn about home buying. And that's how I connected with that lender. And next thing I know, there was a settlement. There was a case. Unbeknownst to me, there was a settlement. And I got a check in the mail. Because guess what? Discrimination sometimes is covert and sometimes it's overt. Oh, I, mean, I remember. Um by my first home, I remember um, the bank. So, the, so they actually wanted to see deposit slips uh, for my wife and I because they didn't believe they didn't in believe. the income. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, I don't keep no damn deposit slips. Uh, and we, we, we both were like, like, that ain't happening. Uh, then they, then they back, backed off of that. But we were like, who the hell right. shows deposit slips? It's like, the number is a number. Right, right. And ha did they ask other buyers that right. question, right? So for in my situation, I was overcharged. How, I, how am I supposed to know if I was overcharged? You know, if you as a new homeowner, you're just sign, signing a bunch of papers, right? I was overcharged. And like I said, the case settled based on discrimination against black and brown people in the market where I was living. So when someone, um, so what, should, what things should people be looking out for um, as they're going through this process uh, that, where they can actually file a complaint? Well, I mean, it's, it's the sniff test. Like, you, you, you knew something was wrong. You had a sense that something was wrong. In that situation, it's worth, first of all, contacting a local fair housing initiatives program. That's usually a nonprofit in a community that can help you with that type of situation. Are those, are those, uh, uh, those nonprofits listed on, on HUD's site? Yes, How someone absolutely. Else, so? uh, just go to hud.gov slash fair housing, and then you can look up our fair housing initiative programs. They're not in every city in America, but they're in most major cities. So if it's, if it's not in your city, then what do you do? Well, you can just call our office and okay. try to file a complaint, and we'll try to help sniff it out. But those FIP programs, and we, we provide a lot of money to those FIP programs to help people in the communities, what they can do sometimes, some of their methods include testing, right? Sending a, a paired test, for instance, undercover shoppers, so to say, to see if people are treated the same or differently. And they have other methods as well. But those people who are on the ground who can really help you, like I said, you can always call our office. Sometimes if you contact our office, we'll connect you with your local FAP. Here's a lot of acronyms. That stands for Fair Housing Assistance Program. Fair Housing Assistance Program is local or state government that have entered into a contract with us to try to handle some of these cases and investigations. 
And so those are around the country as well. Y'all also work hand-in-hand -hand with the Department of Justice. We've seen some of their most recent announcements uh, targeting uh, folks who've been involved in discrimination in housing. Yeah. So both Department of Justice and our office both have jurisdiction under the Fair Housing Act to investigate fair housing cases. So either one is fine. Either one is fine. And sometimes we do have to go in together on certain types of unique type of issues. Uh, and uh, are we, is there a particular part of the country where y'all have seen this is more persistent and pervasive? Well, I tell you, um, I'll put it this way. We have 10 regions around the country. Um, our regions with the heaviest uh, number of complaints tend to be region four, which is the South, right? The Atlanta, Florida's, those types of areas. Um, region six, too, gets a lot of traffic. What That's states like are those? Texas, Louisiana. Honestly, these are places that you might guess, right? And so those offices tend to be our heaviest office where we get the heaviest amount of complaints. For instance, in fiscal year 21, we took about just over 11,000 complaints from around the country, mm -hmm. right? Most of those complaints that come in are based on disability, but the second most is those are based on race. And, you know, intersectionality is real. Sometimes some of these complaints come in based on race, national origin, disability, more than one of the seven protected classes. Mm -hmm. And those, and for folks who don't know, those seven classes are? Seven classes are race, color, national origin, religion, sex, which includes gender identity and sexual orientation, familial status, what does that mean? Fancy way of saying, are there kids in the home, or is somebody pregnant, or is somebody about to adopt, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, disability. So those are the seven protected classes under the Fair Housing Act. And like I said, intersectionality is real. You can, be, you can be discriminated against on more than one of those mm -hmm. class, protected classes. Okay. All right. Uh, again, if people want more information, uh, where do they go? They go to hud.gov forward slash fair housing. And to check out all the things we got going on for Fair Housing Month, hud.gov forward slash F is in Frank HM for Fair Housing Month. All right. We invite you. All right. Dimitri, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, folks, uh, we'll be back on Roller Mark Unfiltered, the Black Star Network. Uh, be sure you want to support us, join our Brendan Funk fan club. You can do so uh, by, of course, uh, checking money orders, P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196, Cash App, Dollar Sign, RM Unfiltered, uh, PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zell, Roland at RolandSMartin.com, Roland at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. And be sure to get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, available at uh, bookstores all across the country. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Books A Million. Um, also, you can download a copy on Audible as well. And be sure to, of course, download our app where you can see all our programs, this show, plus Deborah Owens Show, Jackie Good Martin, Stephanie Humphrey, Faraji Muhammad, Greg Carr, as well as Rolling with Roland. Don't forget our Melba Moore interview one-on-one -on -one drops tomorrow um, at 11 a.m. Eastern on the Black Star Network. Uh, so be sure to check it out. I'll be back in a moment. lost my daughter. I didn't know where she was. So I had to figure out how to survive, how to eat, how to live. I don't want to go into to the right. details because she's here first of all. She may not want me telling that story. But uh, um, possession of her, we, the family broke down, fell apart. I was homeless. Uh, I had to figure out I didn't have a manager or an agent or anybody anymore. And I'm the talent. <laughs> so I got to figure out how to be the agent. And, mm. I had to figure out how does business work.
Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Kaufman. Dr. Kwasi Kanadu, author, scholar, and healer. He is one of the truly representative thinkers and activists of our generation. I had a dream, you know, um, a particular night, and when I woke up, several ancestors came to me, and they came to me and said, we really like what you're doing, but you have to do more. His writing provides a deep and unique dive into African history through the eyes of some of the interesting characters who have lived in it, including some in his own family. The multi-talented, always fascinating Dr. Kwesi Kanadu on the next Black Table here on the Black Star Network. What's up, everybody? It's Godfrey, the funniest dude on the planet. <laughs> Hi, I'm Israel Houghton. Apparently, the other message I did was not fun enough. So this is fun. You are watching... Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered.
Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. All right, folks, we're always telling you about the importance of voting in this country. Voting matters in every single political race uh, that exists. And what happened when Gary Chambers ran for the United States Senate in Louisiana? So many African-Americans did not vote. The question is, will they actually vote when it comes to the governor's race? Uh, there are nine candidates who are seeking the Democratic nomination. John Bill Edwards is, uh, cannot run again for uh, governor. And so uh, these are the nine candidates. One of them uh, joins us right now, Sean Wilson. Uh, he is seeking uh, that office. Uh, Sean, glad to have you on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Thank you, Roland. Happy to be with you, and thank you for all that you've done in our country to keep information out and available to folks, particularly those of us who have HBCU backgrounds. I know that's an issue important to you. It's an issue important to me uh, as a graduate of Southern University, the only HBCU system in the country. I'm excited to be with you and stand here as a candidate for governor in the great state of Louisiana. You got eight other people who are running uh, for uh, the nomination. Uh, the uh, primary, what is October 14th? That's correct. And it's so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, a few I'm, months away. And sorry, I'm quitting my front. So it's, you guys have a jungle primary, correct? Yeah, it's a little different here. We have what's called the jungle primary, and it's really designed for the top two vote getters, regardless of party, uh, to advance to a runoff. And we feel very confident uh, that we'll be in a runoff. I think uh, the numbers are in our favor. I think the field is set to really repeat what happened with John Bell in 2015 uh, when he was elected governor uh, and appointed me secretary in 2015 and assumed that role in 2016. And that is having a large Republican field, um, notwithstanding that I think I'm the best qualified, but having a large Republican field uh, with a very narrow, ideally one 
Democrat in the race. Uh, you're looking at him, Sean Wilson, and looking forward to uh, making it to that runoff and then really pointing out the stark differences between myself and whoever the leading Republican candidate will be. So, again, so it, get, it was, was weird. So you have this primary October 14th, but then when's the general? Uh, the general is about a month later, about five weeks exactly. And believe it or not, here in Louisiana, you can't raise a dime for the re-election or for the runoff until you're actually in the runoff. Now, uh, the funds that we raise in the first part of this race, we don't have to spend it all. Uh, and naturally, we're going to be responsible and spend dollars appropriately. But then you have to raise money in that week. Uh, in that first one or two weeks in order to be on television, to build your campaign and to get out the vote like you need to, to mobilize enough voters to win the election. So how, so, so let's talk specifically about black voters. Um, yeah. I, I remember when Gary was running and I mean, the, the, the early voting numbers were absolutely abysmal. And we're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of African-Americans in Louisiana, and, and I keep saying on this show, if black people voted our numbers, if we literally voted of uh, the eligible number of African Americans who can who, who can vote, if we voted at 65, 70% of that number, we can sweep elections. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's a travesty that we choose not to vote collectively as a group of people. Um, I think we have to be practical and realize that on large elections like gubernatorial elections and presidential elections, there's a large amount of money that's spent on these races to actually mobilize voters, to educate voters, to get voters signed up and registered to vote. And then you have to touch them over and over and over again uh, to make sure that they are mobilized and are thoughtful about wanting to get out and cast their ballots at a time when you have early voting opportunities and voting day opportunities. And so much on the line, because this election is really bigger than just one small issue. This is about health care. It's about crime. It's about education. It's about our future as a state. And so if African-Americans who typically need the services of government much greater than perhaps our lighter-skinned brothers and sisters, we have to mobilize ourselves and get out to vote. And what we saw in the Chambers election, it was an off election because it was a Senate election, and it was wasn't as large as what we're going to see for the governor's election. And so much like in 2015 and much like in 2019, we're going to need a large voter turnout in New Orleans, in Baton Rouge, in Shreveport, but in every one of the 64 parishes here, we have to be competitive. And that is the effort that we're doing uh, in my campaign is to make sure that no community is untouched, that we mobilize any and every voter that we can uh, to vote in favor of Sean Wilson for governor. Uh, for folks who don't understand that, like you have, a, you have a Republican legislature, but you have a Democratic governor. You also have two Democrats who flipped to Republican side um, in, in the last very week. recently uh, in Kentucky. Same thing. Republicans control the legislature, but there's a Democratic governor, and so you do have a model there. Uh, when it comes when it comes to that model. Um, look, there's a percentage of the white vote that you got to get. There's a percentage of the uh, of the black vote that you got to get. And so uh, as you're looking at uh, trying to uh, win, uh, becoming one of those top two spots uh, in October, uh, what does the math look like? Uh, and are third party groups out there? Are people organizing and mobilizing, uh, you know, on the ground uh, now and not waiting until September to get people going uh, for October? Yeah, so, so Roland, our math is simple. We have to have a very energized African-American voter turnout, no doubt about it. We also have to get two and a half to three 
out of 10 white voters to vote for us, regardless of party. And when you look at my career, when you look at what I've done and how I've served as secretary for the last seven plus years, we've worked in a community across the aisle. We've worked in urban areas and in rural areas, and we're known to be bridge builders. That is the theme of our campaign, is that we're going to build bridges, not burn them. And as a result of that, what we're looking to do is to reach out to those communities that we've touched to say, hey, here's a candidate that you know who has been very balanced, has been very fair, but is very capable and competent in doing the job of governor. It's not someone that's going to be an extreme candidate on either end of the spectrum. We're going to do what's in Louisiana's best interest. And I think given the opportunity to have a choice between someone who's got a PhD in public policy and someone else who's going to have issues that are really not Louisiana issues, I think the vast majority of our voters will fall in the right category of voting with us. But you have, but you are dealing with MAGA Republicans. You're dealing with people uh, who support Donald Trump uh, and his extreme politics. Uh, and so how do you convince folks who are not uh, hard MAGA Republicans that, yeah, you, a black guy, can actually win in Louisiana? Because for some people, it's like, oh, man, forget that. I mean, I look at Mississippi. There was, when Mike Espy yeah. lost to Cindy Hyde-Smith, he lost by 65,000 votes. There were more than 100,000 black people who were registered and eligible who didn't even vote. He literally could have won. I call it the sting of apathy, Roland, because it is a stinging situation when you see how close it was and that people just chose to stay home and not actually go out and vote. I think for those individuals who are going to classify themselves as MAGA Republicans, I don't have the, the pipe dream that we're going to convert all of them. But when you look at that population, a lot of them look at federal government and what's happening nationally a lot differently than what you do here. And I realize that the Republican Party is going to have a solid 25 to 30 percent of what that vote is. But that's still leaving us 25 to 30 percent of votes to compete for. That's still leaving a large swath of Democratic voters out there and independent voters. And our polling data shows when you look at qualifications, when you look at competence and you look at the ability to run an effective campaign that can be well financed, we can be competitive. It's not lost on me that we've only elected three African-American governors here in the country. Governor Wilder did it, Governor Patrick did it, and most recently my frat brother Wes Moore did it in Maryland. There's no reason why Louisiana cannot be the fourth state in our nation's history in over 150 years to elect an African-American governor. But that's not why I'm running for governor. I don't want to be the first African-American. I want to be the best governor that Louisiana has ever had. I want to be the governor that takes care of crime, the governor that builds an education system, creates jobs, and builds infrastructure, one that makes sure that people are healthy. And so that kind of message, I think, is going to appeal to moderates, it's going to appeal to independents, and it's certainly going to appeal to Democrats who know what that is like to have those resources and not lose them. Let's not, let's not forget that the expansion of Medicaid here in Louisiana that's provided insurance and health care for over 500,000 people will expire two months after the next governor takes office. I'm the only candidate that's committed to ensuring that that stays there. That's huge for us because we can't create jobs, we can't transform our economy into an energy economy, a clean energy economy, if we don't have people who are healthy. We can't expect you to learn if you're not well. So that is a fundamental right that you deserve. And I'm the only candidate that's talking about maintaining that and building on that to go forward in Louisiana. And so I think that kind of message appeals to voters here in Louisiana, Republican, independent, and of course, Democrats. Hold tight one second, going to a break. Uh, we have 
have a few more questions to ask. Uh, Sean Wilson running for governor there in Louisiana. My panel will be able to got some questions for you as well. Folks, you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. YouTube, hit that like button, folks. We should easily be over 1,000 likes. Uh, love to see y'all commenting on uh, our OTT app as well. We'll be right back on the Black Star Network. We feel the hidden impacts of climate change that land harder in black, brown, and native communities. Not many people talk about it because they clearly don't know our lives. But with President Biden's landmark infrastructure and climate plans, our issues are finally seen. Removing lead pipes means we know our water is safe. Cutting carbon pollution helps our kids breathe easier. 1.5 million new jobs mean stable work in communities. The impact we need right now. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, have you ever had that million dollar idea and wondered how you could make it a reality? On the next Get Wealthy, you're going to meet Liska Ascalise, the inventress, someone who made her own idea a reality and now is showing others how they can do it too. Positive, focusing in on the thing that you want to do, writing it down, and not speaking to naysayers or anybody about your product until you've taken some steps to at least execute. Lisa Ascalise on the next Get Wealthy, right here, only on. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale, extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Deion Cole from Blackish. Hey, I'm Arnaz J. Black TV does matter, dang it. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's your boy Jacob Lattimore, and you're now watching Roland Martin right now. Stay woke. All right, folks, we're talking with uh, Dr. Sean Wilson. He is running for governor of Louisiana. The primary is October 14th. All right, questions from our panel. Uh, and so, uh, Sean, you, uh, you lucked up because there are two other alphas uh, on the show. Uh, so uh, let's see, Mustafa Santiago Ali, uh, you get the first question. I appreciate that. Dr. Wilson, uh, thank you for everything that you've been doing. You know, I know that you were very, you. Success, very successful uh, in Louisiana around infrastructure um, and the jobs that are created there. Do you feel that that is one of those bridge issues between both black and white communities uh, that folks can rally behind, especially with all these federal dollars that'll be flowing for the next couple of years? Absolutely. Look, we've been building bridges literally and figuratively. We not only build infrastructure to move people from point A to point B, but we build infrastructure to create value in communities where that value might not have existed before, that value may have been redlined out, or that value may have been negatively impacted by the ill effects of infrastructure that we've built. Um, we've been successful at building projects that we've promised communities for 30 plus years, and we've done it in a way that's been sensitive to 
the environment sensitive to uh, not only the, the natural environment, but the built environment as well. And we've done it in a way, believe it or not, to actually create business opportunities. One of the things I'm most proud of as secretary is when I started at the department, we had an 8.3% DBE goal. And I used to call that a disadvantaged business enterprise. I call it now a diverse business enterprise because none of the those businesses are really disadvantaged. But we grew that number from 8.4 up to 16% right now as we speak. And last year, we actually exceeded our goal of 15.8. Those are businesses that are growing and creating payroll in the communities where our infrastructure exists. And not only that, we grew the number of minority-owned businesses that are participating. But guess what? When I became secretary, our executive budget was $1.4, $1.5 billion. It's over $3.2 billion as of my retirement date of March 6th. So I'm excited about what we've done. I understand the impact that this has on a global market, but I also understand that local market that exists where you need a workforce, you need opportunities for businesses to establish themselves and to get a piece of the American dream, which is working for government. Government spends millions and millions of dollars to add value in communities. And the work I've done in infrastructure is absolutely a calling card for what we can do in the larger sense. And figuratively speaking, the work we do in infrastructure creates jobs that are long-term. We're not building projects that last for 10 or 15 years. We're building communities that are going to be here for the next 50 to 75 years and doing it with quality, doing it with class, and doing it with innovation. And I am most proud of that fact. And then the last thing I'll tell you is I can't I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the safety implications of the projects that we've built. We know that black and brown communities have a higher percentage of the deaths that we see on our highway systems. Last year alone, we had over 46,000 uh, individuals killed on the roadways. Here in Louisiana, that number is significantly higher than it's ever been over the last 20 years. And guess what? The majority of those folks are people of color, uh, depending on their socioeconomic status as a result of not wearing a seatbelt, drugs or alcohol, or distracted driving. And so building infrastructure that is safe, that adds value to a community, is really what we have to do, because that is what businesses are looking for to be able to take care of their families and their employees to get them to and from work and back home safely. Uh, Dr. Larry Walker, uh, another alpha brother, you get your next with a question. Yeah, thanks, Roland. Dr. Wilson, I want to talk about, you, you highlighted your experience as Secretary of Transportation. Can you talk about, as you, you share that experience with voters, how are you selling your, you already have an ex executive leadership experience, how are you selling that and talking yeah. about why you should, why you should be governor? Great question, brother. I, I will tell you this. I tell people, you know, when I was appointed secretary, um, I was not an engineer. My background is urban and regional planning. I've got a master's in public administration and a PhD in public policy. Um, I was one of the younger secretaries in the country. And at the time when I was appointed, I was the only African-American secretary in the entire country of any state department of transportation. Fast forward to me becoming the president of ASHTO, the American Association of State Highway Transportation Officials, the first African-American in the 108-year history of ASHTO, which is our national association. There are now six secretaries at the end of my retirement uh, of departments of transportation. And so I tell people my experience in government is really leading at a time when our state was hurting. Uh, we had an administration that had spent an inordinate amount of money, not necessarily on infrastructure and investing in systems, but we gave money back to people. And we put ourselves in a very difficult position. We inherited a budget deficit of about $2 billion. And we have now turned that around and created a, a, a surplus 
of equal value to that $2 billion deficit going forward for disasters. Little did we know we'd have a global pandemic. Little did we know that we'd have the financial crisis. Little did we know that we'd have as many hurricanes and tornadoes that hit Louisiana. But little did we know that the Biden administration, for the first time in decades, would actually pass a bipartisan infrastructure law that was far-reaching in terms of impacts in communities all across this country, urban and rural alike. And so when I look at my career, when I look at my tenure over the last seven years, it mirrors what you need in governing. You need someone who's going to be responsible, someone who can respond in a disaster, someone who's going to believe in science, and someone who's going to actually act in the best interest. And most importantly, you're going to need someone who can work with whoever's in the White House, whoever is in the legislature, in a bipartisan fashion to deliver what's important for Louisiana. And so I look at my record and put it up anyone else, against anyone else. I look at my preparation, and clearly it stands head and shoulders above those other candidates in this field. And then I look at my commitment to public service, whether it's through Alpha Phi Alpha, as a 10-year mentor for Big Brothers Big Sisters, uh, as a board member of United Way, and most of all, as a Boy Scout leader. I was Scoutmaster for four years as the Department of Transportation and Development Secretary. And so the reality is I've put more out there than I've taken back from this. Public service to me is a ministry, and my 25 years of service reflects that. And uh, I put that record up against everyone else, and it's exactly what we look for in leaders, what we say we look for in leaders. And I'm going to give Louisiana an opportunity to exercise what they say and actually vote for someone, regardless of race, regardless of geography, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of your political party. Do what's right and elect a governor that's capable and qualified of leading Louisiana. All right, I'll go to the AKA uh, Randy Bryant. And Randy, go ahead, the DEI disruptor. Go ahead, Randy. You have such an impressive record, uh, clearly, and I really am impressed with how you've been able to work with everybody to make change. I, want, I was actually, you just touched on this point about um, how you people should vote regardless of party. And I, I was seeing a, a poll that was, um, we can't always trust these, but they said that Louisiana was headed in a direction that they didn't like. And it was mainly Republicans who said this. So what do you see as your chances of getting Republicans to um, you know, change parties or, I mean, vote for you? Well, first, Randy, I will tell you, uh, thank you for being a Sarah, because my wife, who's a who's a member of AKA, and my daughter both would be remiss if it was just alphas on this call and not AKA. So thank you for being here. Yeah, but um, but they they're still behind <laughs> us though, you know. But go ahead. <laughs> it all started in 1906, brother. It all started in 1906. Um, so I will tell you this, you know, when you look at polling data that says we're headed in the wrong direction, I ask someone this question of the day. Does the wrong direction mean our rural health system has been 100% intact compared to other states that have lost rural hospitals? When our health system is actually expanding and growing and our medical industry is investing and we're saving lives, what about that fact do you not want to advance? When you look at what we've done in terms of having a climate action plan, the only state in the red southeastern part of our country that has an adopted climate action plan, what is it about that that's headed in the wrong direction? When you look at infrastructure, we spent $5.5 billion hitting 2,000 projects, over 7,000 miles prioritizing projects that previous administrations talked about, that they promised, that they never delivered. What about that is headed in the wrong direction? And last but not least, when you look at the fiscal responsibility of a state, coming from being $2 billion in the red to $2 billion to the positive and having given raises to public employees and teachers, 
What about that is heading in the wrong direction? And so I understand the sentiment. I understand post-COVID that we see different elements in our society, in our lives. But at the end of the day, what government is supposed to do is exactly what we're doing. It is exactly what we're doing. While we've got issues with crime, everyone in this country have been issue, has issues with crime. We've got issues with uh, what's happening in our juvenile justice system and our criminal justice system. Everyone has that. We all have problems with fentanyl. So you can't hold one administration responsible for these types of things that are global issues, that are universal issues. But when you look at what we are responsible for, I ask every one of those naysayers, what is it you would want to do different? And how would you go about doing it? We've got folks in this campaign talking about eliminating the personal income tax. Well, at the end of the day, you're going to lose $400-plus million out of our budget, but you're not talking about what you're going to cut on the other side. And here in Louisiana, you can only cut higher education, public safety, and health care. What about those three things will you not want to have in your state? So when you get into the weeds and get beyond the sound bites and the scare tactics, there's a lot of good that's happening in Louisiana. We just need some people to stand up and explain it to them. Our jobs ought not be fighting over books and what's in the library. That's a parent's job. That's the librarian's job. That's not the governor's job. And so when you look at what the governor is supposed to do, what he's constitutionally charged with, we're doing good things in this state, and there's so much more we can do like providing new officers, like making additional investments to grow our economy in a clean energy environment, like building infrastructure, like paying teachers a salary that's competitive that's going to make them stay here. And I'm married to an assistant principal, so I see what happens. My daughter's a social worker in the public school system, and we have this thing called an in-school suspension. What better way to ostracize a kid and prepare them for more problems down the road than to send them to another school for two weeks and send them back without intervention? There's so much more that we could be doing in the state of Louisiana, but all is not lost on where we've been and what the government's responsibilities are. All right, then. Where can folks go to get more information on you and your campaign? Well, you can go to wilson4la.com. That's W-I-L-S-O-N-F-O-R-L-A.com. Uh, we're on all social media platforms, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Please talk to us, uh, connect with us. Most importantly, contribute to our campaign. We've got individuals in this campaign right now that are having millions of dollars thrown at them by dark money, people we don't know, and they're going to control government if they're elected. We need folks to stand up and speak out for what is right in Louisiana and make that investment. As I said before, it's happened with Governor Wilder, it's happened with Governor Patrick, it's happened with Governor Moore, and with your help, it can happen with Governor Wilson as well. So I look forward to staying engaged with you and listening to your, your show and understanding these issues from our perspective of being a Louisianian, but an African-American and someone committed to making a difference here in our country. And I look forward to what I can do for Louisiana, but I can't do it alone. And it's everybody's responsibility, as we've seen in Tennessee, to stand up and speak up for what's right when it's time to do so. And this is a time to do it in a proactive way to prevent us from having to see these situations occur over and over again in our country. All right. Sean Wilson, we appreciate it. Look forward to having you back on the show. Good luck. All right. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you all to your panelists. All right. Thanks a bunch, 06. Take care. All right, folks, when we come back on Roller Mart Unfiltered, uh, drama in Tennessee. Representative Justin Jones, he gets his seat back and he let him know when he walked back on the floor. Y'all ain't stopped the brother from being a brother. We'll show you what took place uh, there in Tennessee. You're watching Roller Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Don't forget, support us in what we do. Download the app. Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Send chicken money orders. 
my simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Field Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196, cash app, RM Unfiltered, PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered, Venmo is RM Unfiltered, Zelle, rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. We'll be right back. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause too long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Check some money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037 dash 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. On a next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, re-entry anxiety. A lot of us are having trouble transitioning in this post-pandemic society and don't even realize it. We are literally stuck between two worlds in purgatory. How to get out of purgatory and regain your footing and balance. What emotions they're feeling and being able to label them because as soon as you label an emotion, it's easier to self-regulate. It's easier to manage that emotion. The next A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Hey, yo, peace, world. What's going on? It's the Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon. Hey, I'm Cupid, the maker of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
Yes, I'm in here jamming my man uh, Curtis Mayfield, so in love. All right, y'all, yesterday in Tennessee, uh, Justin Jones was sworn in again. Republicans threw him out last week. Now he's back, and he did it upright, sworn in on the steps of the Tennessee Capitol. Roll it. surrounded by uh, all sorts of people there. Uh, if the Republicans thought that they were going to sit here and get some brownie points, nah, all you did is wake up a sleeping giant and then roll it when he walked onto the floor. Walked in like a bruh with Representative Gloria Johnson. That's right. Fist in the air. All the mad-ass, sourpuss, conservative white Republicans sitting there, all in their feelings as he let them know, what's up, bitches, I'm back. That's pretty much what he said right there. So that's, that's, that's what he said. Then, of course, because uh, they were all upset, trying to gavel it in as he walked. And then he said, I got a few things to say. I have to vote Nashville. No, I need to. Representative Jones. Thank you. Mr. Speaker, I want to welcome the people back to the people's house. I want, to, I want to welcome democracy back to the people's house. That on last Thursday, members of this body tried to crucify democracy, but today we stand as a witness of a resurrection of a movement of a multiracial democracy that no unjust decision will stand. And that this represents the point that there comes a time where time itself is ready for a change, that time has come back here in Nashville, Tennessee. That truth crushed to the ground will rise again, that what you intend for evil can be used for good, to restore the heart of democracy in our state. And so I come here to stand with my constituents, with the people of Tennessee, to say that no unjust attack on democracy will, will happen unchallenged. That the abuse of this body will not happen in the comfort of silence. So I come here, most importantly, though, not as an individual, but I come here to say that the people of District 52, 78,000 people have a voice in this chamber once again. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the days ahead for Tennessee, not because of the actions of this body, but because of the actions of the people out there and the thousands gathered outside this chamber right now who are calling for something better, who's who, who responded to your attacks on democracy with an attack of a mass movement for social justice and racial justice and economic justice to restore the heart of our state. And so I wanna thank you all, um, not for what you did, but for awakening the people of this state, particularly the young people. Thank you for re reminding us that the struggle for justice is fought and won in every generation. And so the people of Tennessee, I stand with you. We will continue to be your voice here and no expulsion, no attempt to silence us will stop us, but it'll only galvanize and strengthen our movement. And we continue to show up in the people's house. Power to the people. Did I, that, that little pimp stroll right there, fist held up. Like, yo, what's up? See, that's, that's how you walk back on the floor, Randy. You come in, and then with the power fist, letting all of them know, yeah, I'm back, you punk asses. <laughs> Absolutely. That's how, that's how you're supposed to do it. See, see Larry, see, they, they, they thought uh, they were gonna sit here and oh, we gotta kick him out. We'll never see him again. He's like, nah, 
All I, all y'all did was kick me out for three days. I'm back. He's yeah. back and strong. Yeah. So basically, it reminds me of that lyric, you know, close your mouth because you played yourself. So the Republicans <laughs> thought that they, you know, thought that they were going to, you know, expel him and never hear from him again. But as he talked about the power of this multiracial coalition and people realizing that democracy is under attack, not only in Tennessee, back where I'm in Florida and the other places, that these challenges that Republicans are continuously doing to erode democracy. I want to give him a lot of credit because it takes a lot of skill. You and Roland, you and I know there's been a lot of politicians. It takes a lot of skill to, to face that kind of those kind of challenges, be steadfast and then deliver a knockout punch like Mike Tyson back in the day. Hmm. So kudos to him <laughs> and kudos to the folks who continue to push the Republicans and uh, other legislators in Tennessee to do the right thing. See, Mustafa, here's the crazy thing. What they did was they made them stronger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. They thought they broke us, but they woke us, as the words of the song go. You know, it's interesting. I've, I've been all over the country over the last week, you know, from North Carolina to California. Young people are talking about what happened there in Tennessee. They're excited about getting engaged in the process and pushing for change and standing in solidarity. So Republicans, you know, they played their hand, but they didn't really understand the cards that were going to play out on the table. And now we're going to see a lot more people who are getting engaged in the civic process and who are going to demand change. And that's what it's all about. You know, you, sometimes you need a spark to get people going again. This is another one of those important sparks in our history um, that allow us to, to move forward and make real change happen. Um, now the issue, Randy, is what happens in Memphis because now the Shelby County Commissioners, they have to vote. Uh, my understanding, there's going to be a meeting tomorrow, but the votes are not fully there. They need seven votes of the commission. They have five to reappoint Justin Pearson. They will. They'll have no choice. They will. And that is the beauty about how active we have become. This is a digital world. So when people try to silence, silence us and move in the dark and do things that only hurt our people and hurt democracy as a whole, we learn about it. And so the entire country now is looking. And so it will be very difficult for them to get away with not allowing him back in. Very difficult. And can I just say, I could watch that clip over and over again like it's a movie. Just how courageous this young man is and the faces on uh, these uh, representatives. They won't even look at the brother. They won't even look at him. They are so disgusted, which, you know, I get a little bit of pleasure out of their disgust. It makes me kind of happy to see how unhappy they are. No, oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but, but I will say, Larry, look, Memphis is not a lock uh, because one of the things that you have going on there, you, as we said with Tammy Sawyer last week, you got the mayor uh, who is saying that Republicans in the legislature may not fund uh, this expansion of uh, FedEx Arena. They're talking about $350 million. And so um, these, these how, this is how petty uh, these folks are. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Shelby County Commissioners will look like some damn fools if they choose not to reappoint Justin Pearson. Yeah, you know, the Republicans stay mad when they lose. Just take the L and keep, keep it moving. And it's also, Roland, we talk about, you know, the idea of Republicans being and believing in terms of, you know, allegedly in economic development, the, 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 you know, the party of, 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 you know, business, corporate America. 
And the idea that you won't provide this money to renovate, you know, to renovate, it, it all it does is not only hurts the, the, the region there, but hurts, hurts the entire state. So it doesn't make any sense after you took the L to then try to turn around and, like I said, you know, threaten. And we know a lot of these conversations, backdoor conversations and threatening and saying that if, if he's reappointed, then we won't we won't provide you with the necessary funding. But once again, it's it's silly because it all it does is hurt the state of Tennessee, hurt corporations and also small businesses. So they can't talk about, well, we believe in small businesses and, you know, stimulating the economy when you won't provide the necessary money. To, for the renovation. So let's hope that they realize that, once again, they took the L and they should just keep moving on. Uh, but, but, Mustafa, I mean, here's this. Reverend Barber just said something yesterday that's critically important, and that is folk have to understand that this thing is bigger than Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. He said 75% of the Republicans who ran ran unopposed. And this really has to be a rallying moment, an opportunity to build infrastructure there in Tennessee. You are guaranteed to lose if you never have folk who are running. And so they have to also change that. And so I hope uh, when Reverend Barber goes in on Monday uh, with Moral Mondays, I really hope folks are focused on the importance of building coalitions when it comes to what, to what happens next. Without a doubt, building coalitions, making sure that we have talented candidates, supporting those candidates is going to be critical because you have got to compete for all of these offices on the local level, the county level, and on the state level. And that's what they're afraid of, is that folks are going to get motivated uh, to show up at the polls, but also to begin to look critically at these positions and to fill these positions so that uh, it erodes their power and privilege. Um, so we're going to make sure that the individuals have an opportunity to fully compete and have the resources that they need. And I know there's a lot of us who are willing to give our dollars and our time to make that become a reality. Folks, don't forget Monday, Reverend Barber, Repairs of the Breach, uh, and other clergy will be in uh, Nashville for Moral Monday. Uh, they will be there, folks. Uh, again, more information, go to www.b. Uh, reachrepairs.org. And so we will be live streaming uh, with them uh, on Monday. We'll be having it right here on the Black Star Network, keeping you abreast. And remember, this thing is bigger than just what is taking place. Uh, it is bolder as well. All right, y'all, when we come back, I want to talk about what Republicans are doing, how they are trying to go after black men. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale, extend your spine, remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council using hip-hop artists. I'm explaining to you with the right-wing website Rumble, what they announced today, but I'm gonna explain to you what the real strategy is. And brothers, the right is targeting you. I'll explain next on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Lost my daughter. I didn't know where she was. So I had to figure out 
how to survive, how to eat, how to live. I don't want to go into to the details because she's here first of all, she may not want me telling that story. But uh, um, possession of her, we, the family broke down, fell apart. I was homeless. Uh, I had to figure out, I, I didn't have a manager or an agent or anybody anymore, and I'm the talent. <laughs> so I got to figure out how to be the agent. And mm. I had to figure out how does business work. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, it's spring, hallelujah, but hold on, it's not all fun and games. With the sun and the warmth comes the need to clean the clutter mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, all of those things need to happen. Getting rid of the clutter and clearing the cobwebs in our head and in our home. That's next on A Balanced Life on Black Star Network. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph. Hello, everyone. It's Kiara Sheard. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Kira Williams has been missing from her Bernice, Louisiana home uh, since January 7th. The 17-year-old is 5 feet 2 inches tall, uh, weighs 165 pounds with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Makira Williams should contact the Union Parish Sheriff's Office at 318-368-3124, 318-368-3124. So, in 2016, Donald Trump increased the numbers of Republicans got from black men. We saw the impact of that in the 2018 midterm elections, and then we saw it again in 2020. So, you may ask, well, what is at play? And, and you got the folks out there who, uh, again, and, and I can tell you, I see exactly what the strategy is, because what Republicans are doing, uh, they are, they, what they are suggesting is that, oh, uh, you got a group of black men out there who feels as if no one listens to them, no one talks to them. And so I see how they begin to parrot the right-wing talking points. I see, uh, when I did interviews with uh, The Breakfast Club and Vlad TV and Ebro in the mornings, when they jump on these message boards, and they, you can always see the same language. Oh, uh, you ain't nothing but a shield for the Democrats, and uh, you trying to get us to vote Democrat. I, I had one fool say, oh, you were trying to get us to vote for Hillary. Well, fool, she was running against Trump. So what are you saying? You want a Trump? Same thing. Oh, you trying to support Biden. He's running against Trump. And so I need y'all to understand what's going on. So a move took place today, announcement was made, uh, where uh, the right-wing streaming platform, Rumble, now they're trying to compete with YouTube, all right? But this is an absolute right-wing platform called Rumble. So they signed an exclusive deal with DJ Academics to live stream on their platform three to five times a week. 
Now, this is the press release uh, that they put out. Uh, Rumble, now this is a publicly traded company, Rumble, the video sharing platform, announced today that the popular media personality, DJ Academics, will live stream exclusively on Rumble three to five days a week. Um, known for its authentic voice, DJ Academics is a powerful culture entertainment influencer with 5.2 million Instagram followers and 2.76 million YouTube subscribers. The Jamaican American podcast to recover the latest news in hip hop music along with a satirical take on top headlines. Now, uh, he says, I look forward to being one of the first to bring music and cultural conversations to a platform like Rumble. There have been many bad decisions at larger platforms where they haven't put creators first and they are disconnected to the community. I feel now as an inflection point for streaming platforms, I couldn't be more excited to lead this effort on a platform that puts creators first. But here's the question. Do they put black people first? Now, I'm trying to explain to you, and I want y'all to be very clear, the Republican strategy, the Republican strategy and is, is to how can they appeal to black men and they are specifically trying to target them. Hey, pull up the photo uh, from the UFC fight this weekend. Oh, you had this oh, photo of Joe Rogan and Trump with Mike Tyson. In the photo, yep, that was this weekend. I, I, I want y'all to understand what's going on here. I need y'all to understand. The Republican Party knows black women hate them more than anybody else. There's no group that hates Republicans more than black women. But the Republicans are specifically going after certain black men. Don't, now look. They could try to play this all rumble. No, we're trying to be legitimate. And see, let me tell you how they try to play it with me. So you know I got my podcast on iHeart, uh, iHeart's platform. Well, I was asked, because they have to ask me, do I, do, will I do certain readings? Because I ain't just reading anybody's stuff. So I've turned down other advertisers. Rumble wanted to run an ad on my podcast. Hell fucking no. Let me say it again. I absolutely said hell no to Rumble running an ad on my podcast. Why? Because I know what Rumble's about. Who's one of their uh, shareholders? Dan Bongino. Y'all pull up who Dan Bongino is. Dan Bongino, former Secret Service agent. Right-wing hack on Fox News, right-wing hack on the radio, that's who Dan Bongino is. Y'all need to understand what's going on here. And so Rumble, by signing DJ Academics, oh, they, they're throwing the money at them. But understand what they're trying to do. Be aware of the content on Rumble. So they would love for the black men and the other folks who listen to DJ Academics to come on over to Rumble and support their platform, but Rumble ain't down with black people. Rumble is a right-wing platform. It is a MAGA platform. That's what it is. And that's what it was created for. Now, they're trying to sit here and 
spend themselves. Oh, no, we, you know, we don't have any uh, particular ideology. In fact, uh, here's, the, here's the bottom of the press release about Rumble. Go to my iPad. Rumble is a high growth. I want y'all to see this here. Rumble is a high growth neutral video platform that is creating the rails and independent infrastructure designed to be immune to cancel culture. Rumble's mission is to restore the internet to its roots by making it free and open once again. For more information, visit corp.rumble.com. Now let me explain something to y'all. Pull a statement up again. See, Randy, you don't have to say you're neutral if you're not. That's the first giveaway, y'all. The fact that they're saying they're neutral, they're trying to get, that's the bullshit of fair, Fox News being, Fox News being fair and balanced. Then they're creating the rails and independent infrastructure to be immune to cancel culture. Let me explain what that means. They were created because right-wingers who spread misinformation on YouTube were getting kicked off of YouTube. Do y'all see the game plan? Randy, game recognized game, and we see exactly what they are doing. You're muted. Come on, guys, what's up? Randy, can you hear me? I hear you fine. There you go. Now yeah. we can hear you. Okay. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Okay, um, this is a classic case of the search of the cheapest Negro. Yes, they are paying him quite well. By cheap, I'm talking about having some boundaries, um, to have some pride in yourself and not be willing just to sell your entire race out because he knows who Rumble is, but he's taken the he's taken the bait and the price. Um, so he's it's a case of the cheapest Negro, in my opinion, and it's just unfortunate. It's just unfortunate. And here's the deal. I, I, here's the deal. I don't know. I never met DJ Academics. I have no idea. I don't know decision to sign. I don't know what he signed for. What I do. What I do know, Larry, who Rumble is. And I do know what their strategy is. I do know exactly what, what they're trying to do. And I'm not going to sit here uh, again. I don't, you know, um, uh, again, uh, they might say, oh, no, 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 we're trying to be, uh, this is what, how we're trying to do it. Nah, see, uh, here, here's the whole deal. We know exactly, um, we know exactly uh, what is going on here. And, and I need y'all to understand, okay, this is from Pew. See, Y'all, this is from Pew, December 21st, 2022. Key facts about Rumble. Right here. While 20% of US, US, US adults 
say they have heard of Rumble, only 2% regularly get news there. Overall, just 6% of Americans regularly get news from at least one of the seven sites studied, and no single site is used for news by more than 2% of U.S. adults. Now, here's the key. I need y'all to understand what's going on here. This is from Pew. This is not, you wonder who's, knows, knows who's neutral, it's Pew. Roughly three quarters of those who regularly get news from Rumble, that 76% identify as Republicans or lean toward the Democratic Party while 22% identify as Democrats or lean Democrat. Larry, this is Rumble's attempt to bring black people to Rumble to not just listen to his show, but the other shows on the platform, Game Recognized Game. You laid it out really well, Roland, and it it, looks, it sounds like they're going after all the right-wing hoteps in the, in the black community, basically. But if brothers are watching this, don't fall for the banana and tailpipe. You, you highlighted what they're trying to do in terms of this, this new partnership. And like you said, I'm quite sure he got paid handsomely. But it, no money is worth selling out the community. And I think another thing that's really important, Roland, in terms of we talk about elections— you know, black people make about 13% of the U.S. population. When it comes to these, these national elections, particularly presidential elections, it's important for some way Republicans to peel off black voters, whether it's those individuals who decide not to vote, and you've talked about that a lot on your show, or individuals, like I said, these kind of right-wing hoteps who decide, well, I'm not going to vote Democrat because they don't, they don't care about me, and I'm going to vote Republican. And so what that is, it makes it easier in some of these swing states to win. So once again, I need brothers who are watching this, and then you laid it out perfectly. You need to talk to black men in, in barbershops, mosques, uh, churches, et cetera, playing ball, whatever you're doing, the gym, to tell them don't fall for this. And then once again, it's really important to remember which parties focus on health care, education, and making sure that your civil rights are protected. Now, Mustafa, again, let's go back to Pew. Go back to my iPad, y'all. I'm trying to teach y'all. This is what Pew says. A closer look at news consumers on Rumble. 54% men, 44% women. Here's the key. Uh, matter of fact, Anthony, uh, give me, put in one of these monitors. I need to uh, point some stuff out. So give me the big monitor uh, over here. Okay, I, I wanna walk y'all through this because I, I, I really need y'all to understand I need y'all to understand the map here. I need, because I'm trying to walk, and again, let me be clear. I don't know DJ Academics. I don't know him. I would love to talk to him. And again, he probably got a great deal paying him lots of money. I'm explaining to y'all what the rumble strategy is here, because you need to understand who makes social media sexy? Black people. I told y'all, black people, what, but our usage of Clubhouse caused Clubhouse's uh, market cap. They, were, they went from launch to a $4 billion valuation in nine months. Black people, we make social media sexy. So here's the deal right here. This is Pew. OK, 
okay? A closer look, news consumers. What I tell you, 54% men on Rumble, 44% women. Get news from more established social media sites. 48 men, 51 women. They're targeting men. Now, let's go up here. Rumble, look at the numbers here. Ages, 1829. Zoom in. 1829, 17, 30 to 49, 32, 50 to 64, 31, 65 plus, 20. That means that Rumble attracts 51% of their people are 50 plus. 51%. Throw in 30 to 49. That's 80, that's uh 83%. Why are they paying DJ Academics? Right there. 17. They want him to get that number up. Who follows him? Black people, especially black men. Oh, boom. Let's go to education. High school or less, 45. Some college, 31. College plus 23. Other sites, let's go on over here. What do these numbers show you? Right here. High school, 38. Some college, 32. College plus 30. What does that tell you? Rumble appears to largely white people white Republicans, high school or less. I need y'all to, see, y'all don't get, when you're watching these announcements, you need to understand what you're watching. Now, let me go to the big number as to why Rumble signed DJ Academics. Right here. Boom. 67% of Rumble's users are white. 5% Mustafa are black. 23% are Hispanic. 1% is Asian. This right here, 5% black, 17%, that right there, Mustafa, is why Rumble signed DJ Academics to that big deal because they want to target black people, but specifically black men in anticipation of the 2024 election. That's it right there. It's, there's intentionality. And folks need to realize that folks literally have strategies about how to win these elections, how to utilize social media, how do you get the right influencers, just sharing at first some general information, and then as time goes by, they begin to change that information. And before you know it, you've been indoctrinated uh, into sort of the right-wing way of thinking about this country. You start to think, well, you know what? You know, maybe my community doesn't really need all these resources, or maybe things are not as bad as people say they are. So you got to be really careful because there's a lot of pimping that goes on, and we often don't pay attention to it until after we've done been pimped. 
Um, so folks need to, one, educate yourself, understand this game that is being played, and then make sure that you are not allowing this misinformation uh, to take over your thinking. Look, folks, let me be perfectly clear. Again, I, I just want to walk you through this so you understand here. The deal is here. I'm not saying they're going to control his content. But I need you to understand, if he brings eyeballs and he brings viewers and users, let's then, they then are seeing the commercials of the other content folks. They are now seeing the other voices. That's what the strategy is. And so y'all just need to understand, game recognize game, what's going on here. And I'm telling you right now, I see it all the time when black men are trying to attack me. Oh, look at you shilling for the Democrats. They're not listening to what I'm saying. They're not listening to what I'm saying about federal, conservative federal judges refusing to let black men out of prison. They're not saying anything about the actual policies. They're not saying anything about people like Republican Senator Tom Cotton, who said more people should be in prison. Y'all better recognize how they're trying, the Republican Party, their plan is to try to peel off more black men in the next election. Brothers, they're targeting you. And you better be asking yourself, wait a minute. Y'all trying to target me about finances and taxes, what you not saying? Because let me, let me be real clear, I'm going to close this way to all the black people listening to me who y'all sitting here talking about, oh, you covering for the Democrats, all this, that, and the other. It is Republicans in Mississippi who are trying to, who are creating a separate police district in that city of Jackson, Mississippi. It is Republicans in Mississippi that do not want to expand Medicaid as impacting the health of black people in Mississippi. It's the governor, Tate Reeves of Mississippi, who just signed April as, as Confederate History Month. It's also Republicans in Tennessee who just threw out two black representatives but did not throw out the white woman. It's Republicans in Georgia who changed the laws to shut down ballot boxes and other early voting locations. It's Republicans in Texas who are trying to close voting locations on college campuses. It's Republicans in Texas who want to keep Prairie View and m students from not voting in Waller County. It's Republicans in Texas who are sitting here changing the laws when it comes to uh, services for women for reproductive rights. It's Republicans in Florida, like Ron DeSantis, who are attacking AP African-American curriculum courses, who are attacking diversity, equity, inclusion. And what is now happening? The state auditor in Mississippi now wants to know how much money is being spent on DEI at all public universities. It is Republicans in Tennessee who are trying to fire the Board of Trustees for Tennessee State University, and they want to get rid of all uh, the leadership there at Tennessee State. So for all you brothers out there who keep telling me, oh, I'm a Democratic shield, what the hell do y'all care about? Because I can show you how Republicans don't give a damn about brothers 
But go right ahead and keep playing games and let them maintain power and control. And then you see who's going to lock your black ass up and who has no problem. Oh, by the way, to all you brothers who keep talking about, man, you were trying to get us to vote for Biden over Trump. What? I'm mean, sorry, Hillary over Trump. What did Jeff Sessions do when he became attorney general? He tried to get rid of the consent decree in Baltimore. Bill Barr did want to get rid of the consent decrees. They tried to get rid of the ones in Chicago as well. Oh, so for all you brothers who are against police brutality, guess who had no problem with the cops whooping your ass? Jeff Sessions, Bill Barr, and Donald Trump. Hmm. Ain't something mysterious when you are a brother who knows how to read and you have facts to back up your argument. So by all means, keep trying to call me a shield and keep saying, oh, I'm caping for Democrats. No, I'm caping for black people. And let me be perfectly clear, I give the White House hell and Democrats hell on our agenda, but I know damn well who wants to screw us over, who wants to make sure we do not get ahead. And that's the folks who have an elephant as their party mascot. And that's called the Grand Old Party, G-O-P. Hmm. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Right back. We feel the hidden impacts of climate change that land harder in black, brown, and native communities. Not many people talk about it because they clearly don't know our lives. But with President Biden's landmark infrastructure and climate plans, our issues are finally seen. Removing lead pipes means we know our water is safe. Cutting carbon pollution helps our kids breathe easier. 1.5 million new jobs mean stable work in communities. The impact we need. Right now. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, have you ever had that million-dollar idea and wondered how you could make it a reality? On the next Get Wealthy, you're going to meet Liska Ascalise, the inventress, someone who made her own idea a reality and now is showing others how they can do it too. Positive, focusing in on the thing that you want to do, writing it down and not speaking to naysayers or anybody about your product until you've taken some steps to at least execute. Lisa Ascalise on the next Get Wealthy right here only on Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Cupid, the maker of the Cupid Shuffle and the Wham Dance. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. And if you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
right, folks, so you know what? You can't do everything by yourself. You actually need uh, assistance to do things. And uh, in this day and age, people looking at cost to actually hire somebody. So what about the idea of a virtual assistant. Well, our next guest, they created a company called Essence Virtual Assistance. It's a black-owned virtual administrative support service designed to help small businesses. Co-founders of Essence Virtual Assistance, Dr. Star Barrett, her daughter Essence Moore, uh, and they join us right now from Atlanta. Glad to have you on uh, the show. So uh, where did this idea originate from? Well, I've been in the business for over 20 plus years and it originated from really, um, I always kept it in my back pocket, never launched it. I did, I focused on the event planning aspect of it. But when COVID hit, I was like, I have to figure this out. We're originally from New Jersey. We moved to Georgia and I'm like, what can I do? And I'm like, oh yeah, I have this virtual assistant firm. So I launched it and did a press release and it was just an amazing launch. Well, because the reality is, again, it used to be people used to operate as if you needed people to be in one place. And I mean, I can tell you right now, uh, I've actually operated for a company virtually for the last 15 years. So I've had my um, uh, assistant in Chicago or in Texas. I have a digital person who's in Chicago. I have people from other parts of the country and I've been either in Chicago or Texas or in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, and so it's not that hard. So we, we don't live in a world where you physically have to see the person every day. Right. It's definitely a display of the new generation and getting with the times and finding a new way to help people and to be an asset to people's lives. I think a lot of people were, well, weren't we all caught off guard by 2020, but it also unlocked a door on a positive note to so many opportunities and a new world of the digital era and how this can actually be a helpful thing to multiple families and business owners and entrepreneurs. And giving people jobs, you know, for the, for the single parents or the guardians who want to stay at home and are scared to go outside or are more comfortable working from the comfort of their home, you know, it was just an amazing opportunity all around, be able to help organizations, small, medium businesses, nonprofits, high profile clients, as well as provide um, an opportunity for staff to come on board, be a part of our family and be able to offer services that a lot of um, organizations need. Well, it's all, but, but technology has also played a huge role in this as well. And so the ability to have virtual calls, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Google uh, Meetup or whatever. So, so there's so many different things that, uh, that used to require someone being, being there in person. Hey, fax this. Well, none of these things are happening now. And so, and so it, 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 it has changed the game in terms of how people are able to work and where you don't even require the same amount of space as you used to. Right, right. And it helps organizations also save on their overhead as well, because you have folks that are working from home, as you stated, um, and they're in the comfortability of their own house, <laughs> right? So they have all the equipment that they need, the laptop, the computers, the printers, the phones, you're saving all overheads. You don't have to pay for, you know, actual brick and mortar uh, insurance and things to that nature. So it's a it's a win-win. How, how has the business grown in terms of, you know, do you, so, and, and how does it actually work? Are you, uh, are you placing folks or, or do you hire the assistants and then you throw them out? How does that actually work? So we have independent contractors that will submit their resume via our website and we'll filter through them. We'll have them, of course, do an assessment to see um, how they score in different um, different 
categories and then we'll have an interview of course we'll sometimes do background checks and then if we feel like they're a great fit for the very essence of virtual assistants we'll bring them on board (laughs) you definitely have to be qualified if you're not qualified we're about to drop a course to get you qualified right virtual assistant extraordinaire because um we just want to help people we're in the helping business questions from the panel randy you first um, have either of you worked as virtual assistants yourselves? I, I know you said it was an idea in your back pocket, but have you actually uh, done this yourself? Yes, I currently work as a virtual assistant myself as the CEO of the organization. It's important for me to stay in the know. I want to know what's new, what's old, what's happening, what's going on. I want to stay on top of my skill sets as well. And then we have things that are coming and I'll give them to my daughter to do. So she works in as well. For an example, some of the things that she's done has been like um, typing up Airbnb things, spreadsheets, things to that nature. So we both work in the business as well as on the business. I feel like this is definitely an interesting translation of my journey in terms of what I've done in the past and to be a part of this business and what it means now. Growing up, I always grew up with an entrepreneur right in front of me, a divine display of what it looks like to own your own business. So I feel like I was always assisting my mom. She has a event planning business as well. So I would attend these events and help run the snow cone machine, the cotton cane machine. And this is just another aspect, another way to not only help her, but to help others. And now it's it's all virtual, it's all digital. So again, referring and fueling back into this new age and this new generation of technology and what it can provide for us. Yeah, so she can learn. Cost? I want her to be able to learn as many skill sets as she can. What's the cost? So this provides that for her. What's the cost? Oh, the cost varies. So it could start anywhere from about $15 an hour to about $75, $100 an hour or more, depending on the level of support, um, virtual assistance. Of course, you have beginner, intermediate, as well as expert level, depending on our clients' needs. So the cost varies, but we try to be as affordable as possible. And then we also try to hire here in the USA. Mustafa? Yeah, well, first of all, congratulations. Uh, My question is, what does growth look like for your business? Will it be new areas that you'll be focusing on? Will folks be uh, more um, well-versed on technology? What does growth look like? Growth for me looks like um, just bringing people on that may be smarter than me in certain aspects of the business. So people that handle like our, our marketing, or you may have someone who's good at spreadsheets, but the, the actual formulas, right, that comes with spreadsheets and kind of bring them on. I think growth for me, our target area are or is small, medium businesses, nonprofit entrepreneurs, and high-profile clients. Um, we do want to expand uh all over the world, you know, if we can and be able to provide these services, it's important for me. I'm, I'm big on loyalty and I'm big on customer service. So I want to provide all of our clients as well as, as well as our staff and experience. So growth looks great. As long as we keep going, as long as we keep marketing, as long as we keep being true to who we are, and then as long as we keep doing good business. To piggyback off of what you said, too, in regards to just learning and surrounding yourself with 
not only like-minded individuals, but those who know more about different things than we do. Mm -hmm. Because when we learn and when we grow, our business evolves as well. So I think that's also an aspect of growth, being able to learn and expand into new fields and dimensions in that way. Yeah. Larry. Yeah, congratulations. It's, it's a great idea. Talk, talk to me about how are you staying ahead of the competition? You have a great idea. And what happens in America, people always steal it. So how do you stay ahead of the competition? I think for us, one of the things that a potential client brought to my attention actually a few days ago was that we are minority owned and we are women and the people that sit um, as a part of our executive team are also women. And what keeps us apart from the competition, I would say, is that we provide amazing customer service. I allow people as well, my clients as well as my staff access to me. I don't sit in office with a with my door closed. If you have a question, you need to call me, email me, feel free to do so. I'm open. If I'm unavailable, I'll get back to you. I run a business that I want to kind of flow and just be family oriented. And I want people happy. Like I want my staff happy. I want uh, our clients happy. And I think that's kind of what sets us apart. And my daughter is my homie. She's my business partner. So, you know, she's 20 years old. So here we are, you know, building this, this brand, this empire to help impact and grow other businesses. So I think um, just consider us your organic seed. I feel like, the personal relationships we create with our clients also sets us apart. There have been so many times I've come into the room, I'll catch my mom on a call, and it's a business call, but upon first glance and my first impression of the conversation, she's not only providing business advice, but life advice from her experience as an entrepreneur and the things and the knowledge she's learned and acquired over the years. So I think it's really creating relationships with people and networking with people from entirely different backgrounds and just different places of life. So. And always being a student and teacher. Yeah. I learn from my staff as well. Sometimes they'll be like, you know, Dr. Starr, instead of doing it this way, may I suggest we do it this way? And I'm like, that's really awesome. Like, teach me that. So, yeah, just learning. And they, they invite you on trips Yeah, they stuff. do. They do it right. <laughs> sure do. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, then. Okay, where people get more information? They could go to www.essenceessynce.com. -E, Visit our website. Of course, we're on Facebook at Essence Empire. We are on Instagram as Essence Virtual Assistance, and we're also on Twitter as Essence Empire. All right, then. <laughs> All right, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Good luck. Thank you Thanks for having so us. Much. We appreciate Enjoy your, your time. Day. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. All right, y'all. So have you seen this story out of Georgia? Uh, there's this white man in his business. Uh, he's teaching athletes speed and agility drills. 96% of his clients are African-American. Hmm. I wonder what they would say about these videos uh, where he's been busted making all sorts of racial comments. Listen. Coming up here, Andrew's got a conference with the legislature, real estate thing and all, in uh, downtown Atlanta, staying here at the uh, Omni Hotel over by the CNN. I ain't seen a white person in sight. Homeless ones on the street. Every restaurant looking in here is black. Every car beside them is black. But they can have Atlanta. It used to be a fun place to come to up here. 
they can have this place right here and stuff. There ain't no way. There's no way. Just need to, there, there, there's your, yeah, well, it, was a, it was just a sign up there. It had Obama and all them on there and stuff, man. So, yeah, that's all that's up here. That's all that's up here, man. And stuff is just crap. Yeah. Yeah, you and Borf need to come up here and go hunting. Yeah. And stuff, man. Ain't none here, dog. Ain't nothing but blacks up here. That's all it is. Atlanta's been gone down, man. Just gone. Bro, look at this nigga trying to pull out in front of me right here. Look at this nigga trying to pull out in front of me right here. Hey, did you see did you see that that tree right there? Yeah. Did you see that tree right there? Roe will hang you from that tree. Yeah. Look what you got me. $129. Look at that. Nice. Look at that nice jacket. Laid out here on the bed for me. Nice. Columbia. Yeah. Columbia. Yeah. So, got the Glock by the bed. Let me go. Room service. Y'all need y'all niggas to bring me some chicken wings, two hoes, a red bone and a white girl. Y'all want the white girl, uh, Rogue gonna try the, the red bone. No, no, Borf ain't coming. Yeah, he was here and everything, he make him leave. He, he make the red bone leave. Yeah, he, no, he don't do that. Everything. I tried that one time at the house. Yeah, just Rogue. Yeah. So he, 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 he probably do it and he probably going throw out the wheel on the 14th floor. He probably throw out the window. We're done with her. Yeah. Cheap rate. Atlanta. Atlanta. Nigger town. Mm, this is the same Mark Taylor, y'all. Uh, it has been confirmed as he is the owner of Edge Speed Edge Sports, uh, former defensive back at the University of Georgia. Uh, in fact, uh, this is his Twitter page right here, y'all. Uh, go to my iPad, you see it right here, and uh, boom, his photo right here uh, is uh, one of the uh, players that's in NFL. Uh, I, I hope he loses every single client and all his business, uh, Randy. Everything. I want him to lose everything. He is just, an, it just openly racist. And what concerns me is how he has impacted really all the black children and men with whom he's worked. And I know we know he's going to we're going to get a statement of how much he loves black people and how many of them that he's worked. But you can't tell me when you see someone with this much hatred that little things that he would say little things that would affect these yep. young men. This is no way. Uh, Larry, he's been voted the Georgia High School Coach of the Year for track six years in a row uh, and makes a lot of money from black folk. Sure does, but you know what? With these videos, we see you now. So I hope all the uh, coaches in the uh, college football and you know college players and pro players that, that work with them will put out statements and hurt the bottom line. So I'm waiting for Nick Saban and some of these other folk, uh, you know coaches, you know, to come out and say, "Hey, you know, we we dissociate with this guy, etc." But I won't hold my breath when it comes to waiting for that. 
But uh, we need to hurt him more than hurt him where it hurts. Mustafa, he hasn't posted on Facebook since uh, January 30th. Haven't seen uh, any other comment uh, from him. But, oh, trust me, I'm quite sure his phone and email is blowing up. Oh, yeah, they go, folks going to get him. But, you know, as we said earlier, stop letting people pimp you. Stop giving them your money. Stop giving them your time. Stop giving them your image to make more money off of you. So, you know, once you know who somebody is and then you still allow these types of things to go on, that just means you want to be pimped. So to all the black coaches in Georgia, um, that's a new business you can probably be starting. If you have one, uh, you probably will be getting some new clients real soon. Uh, now that these videos are going out about uh, Mark Taylor. Can't wait to hear him uh, give us a groveling apology. Uh, Randy, Larry, Mustafa, I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch, folks. I'll see y'all tomorrow right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Y'all know how we do it. Keep it real, keep it black and unfiltered. Holla! Folks, Black Star Network is this. A real um, revolutionary right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Roller. Hey, Black, I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. 
Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.